Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones, executive producer of the show, and Mondays now, we have Voices Amplified taking it over. A group of rising journalists getting their training at Salt Lake Community College in partnership with Amplify Utah. We will pass them the microphone in a minute, but I want to take a moment and go through some rallies and resources, get some events on your radar for the coming weeks ahead. It is day seven of Free Fair February. You can ride UTA anywhere in their service, no ticket necessary. Find details on the rallies and resources page of krcl.org. Be sure to tag us on your trip around town, folks. Want to see where you get to. Whether you're a regular rider or Free Fair February, makes it something you try out. It is also day seven of Black History Month, and the Utah Film Center has a great selection of flicks that delve deep into the artistry, inspiration, and activism of our country's black luminaries, past and present. Tune in each Tuesday this month for a flick. Of course, online, no ticket necessary. Tomorrow night at 7 p.m., Utah Film Center presents Attica in partnership with Mara Sanchez of Just Media Utah and Boa Me Too. It is the 50th anniversary of the uprising at the Maximum Security Prison in Attica, New York. And then the following Tuesday, February 15th, in partnership with KRCL, Black, Bold, and Brilliant Hearts and Minds Edition. BBB is our series of conversations about Black-centric films and media. And on the 15th, diving into the legendary interview between James Baldwin and Nikki Giovanni back in 1971. They sat down together. Baldwin, the renowned author and intellectual, he sat down with the poet, writer, and activist Nikki Giovanni to talk about race, love, and artistic inspiration. Radioactive's own Rashawn Leak will be part of the discussion happening online with the film, featuring writers Linda D. Addison and Joanne Moore, alongside U Black, Utah Black Artists Collective co-founders Winter the Poet and J. Rod Garrett. More details on the Rallies and Resources page of krcl.org. Tomorrow, the Utah Domestic Violence Coalition will host Advocacy Day at the Utah State Capitol from 9 to 5. They'll meet with legislators and talk about policy and budget issues. There'll be a press conference. If this is your issue, it's something that you can take part in as well. No ticket necessary. Also tomorrow with the Black Cultural Center at the University of Utah, Wakanda Forever, centering black experiences on screen. That starts at 6 p.m. online. Wednesday, reframing the conversation, Strange Fruit, Why We Must Address Anti-Black Racism, starts at noon online or in person at the University of Utah in partnership with Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion at the U. So you can join in person at the Hinckley Institute of Politics, Hinckley Caucus Room, or virtually through the live stream on the Reframing the Conversation webpage, which we'll have for you at Rallies and Resources. Also happening Wednesday night, 6.30 at the Vive Gore Concert Hall at Westminster, the Bastion Diversity Lecture, The Unknown Realities of a Community Activist, a panel discussion led by Dr. Tamara Stevenson. And don't forget Thursday, February 10th, Utah's Clean Slate Law goes into effect, marking the beginning of automatic record clearances in Utah. For more information or help with the expungement process for you or someone you know and love, visit cleanslateutah.org, a new nonprofit instrumental in that law's passage. They work to ensure that Utahns don't miss out on opportunities because of their past. Just a few of the items for you on the Rallies and Resources page of krcl.org. And I'll close this opening segment here before we pass the microphone to Voices Amplified from Salt Lake Community College and ask for your love notes. 
We'll be delivering them on air on Valentine's Day, February 14th, but we need your help to make it all possible. You can call KRCL's Love Note hotline, 801-903-1279, and leave a message for that special person or organization you are crushing on, folks. Then you listen Monday, February 14th, 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. to hear love songs, breakup songs, makeup songs, and listener love notes. The Love Note Hotline closes at midnight Friday, February 11th, folks, so get your love notes on. With that in mind, I'm sending out this song to everybody who plugs into their community with Radioactive. Weeknights at 6 here on KRCL. This is nothing without you, the big moon on KRCL. The Utah Film Center and KRCL present Black, Bold, and Brilliant, a series of film and media events that highlight issues affecting the Black community. The next event on February 15th will discuss race, love, and artistic inspiration. More information at utahfilmcenter.org. Welcome to Voices Amplified on Radioactive, a show that plugs you into the community. I'm Johnny Talstra. I'm a staff writer at The Globe, Salt Lake Community College's student newspaper. Stay tuned as other student journalists and diverse voices join me to talk about the stories from across the valley. This show is in partnership with Amplify Utah, KRCL 90.9, and Salt Lake Community College. Before we dig into our show, we at Salt Lake Community College and Radioactive want to acknowledge that we are all collectively on Native American shared territory of the Goshute, Paiute, Navajo, Shoshone, and Ute people. We honor the original ancestors of this land and also offer respect to other tribal communities. We acknowledge this history to cultivate respect and advocate for our indigenous students and communities still connected to this land. Later on tonight, I'll be speaking with Amy Peterson and Burke Forbes about a new documentary detailing the lives of nine polyamorous people living in Utah. Our first guest tonight is Luca Romney, who I had the pleasure of writing about his new student media outlet, Prodigal Press, in a story I wrote for Salt Lake Community College's newspaper, The Globe. Independent student news outlet challenges status quo at BYU, and we'll put that article in the show notes for you. Luca, do you mind telling us a bit about yourself and this fresh outlet that you're a part of? Absolutely. So um, I am a sophomore at BYU. Uh, I've been down here for a couple of years, and I actually started as a, a contributor to Prodigal Press, and then I was invited to join the editing team. So I'm currently an editor and writer for Prodigal Press. Um, Prodigal Press started two and a half years ago, if I believe. Yeah, that's correct. And it's just the next um, iteration of a long tradition of alternative newspapers at BYU. Awesome. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about that tradition of student-run newspapers at BYU? So it's gone all the way back. There are actually um, some student newspapers, I think in the 70s, that were actually um, handed out on campus. But um, for our purposes, we're not allowed to do that. So we mostly um distribute our stuff uh digitally and then we have a um uh like a physical copies that we distribute sometimes as well through the mail okay and then you mentioned that you're not you said you're not allowed to distribute physical copies on campus is that correct yeah so BYU is very strict and uh, um I'm assuming that we're going to be getting into that maybe later with a demonstration policy but BYU is very strict when it comes to the media and content that is allowed on campus, whether it be through like campus run venues, like so the Daily Universe, which is the student run newspaper at BYU, or like other alternative 
organizations that want to come in and distribute stuff. Mm -hmm. So if I'm kind of understanding you correctly, it's sort of that, you know, like these sort of, uh, would it be fair to say restrictions Mm -hmm. that these kind of placed on student run outlets and things like that can, is that why Prodigal Press kind of necessarily needs to be outside of BYU? Yes, absolutely. Because for one, it's about keeping um, our contributors and also the people on our team safe from, you know, nasty encounters with um, administration. And it also is just a matter of not being limited in what we're allowed to share because Mm -hmm. a large portion of our content probably just wouldn't be allowed to be published through uh, a campus approved channel. Okay. That's yeah. Cause I know that for when I was writing this story last month, I was, I spoke with uh, a professor at BYU who advises at the universe who let me know about that. He didn't necessarily agree with that interpretation. He said that, you know, that the universe doesn't have any like necessary censorship restrictions, but uh, as he put it, that as long as we provide a value to the community, we think that's a story worth writing. Do you think that there's just sort of a difference in opinion on what value is to the community between outlets like the universe and prodigal press? Well, okay. So let me just say this from uh, not speaking for prodigal, but just from my own opinion and experience is there's a difference at BYU between explicit and implicit rules. And I know plenty of people that have worked for the daily universe and they say that there's not any explicit rules against what content is allowed to be published. But the, like the people that are in charge, there are just certain things that are not, that are not going to fly, especially when it comes to like, I don't know, things that would be like considered more explicit. So like, we've published articles about, you know, like pretty intense personal accounts of sexual assault and things like that. And also things that are, and and also just things that are critical of the university and of the, of the church, because those things are also just, they just don't get published. So. Mm -hmm. And then just for those unaware by the, by the church, we are referring to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that sponsors Mm -hmm. and runs Brigham Young University. Mm -hmm. Speaking to the idea of kind of like explicit and implicit, um, do you feel that's the same case with kind of like the reaction to a lot of Prodigal Press articles that I know BYU hasn't, you know, explicitly said anything about the outlet, but is there kind of an implicit pushback to it or is that something that's felt at Prodigal Press? No, I don't think so because there just aren't any like really points of contention with BYU because we don't claim to be and that's something that I should make clear is like although we do comment mostly on BYU issues we're prodigal press provo not prodigal press BYU mm-hmm. and so we focus also on issues affecting the provo community at large and so i don't think that they i don't think that there's any reason for us to be a, like a real threat to the university especially because we're not trying to do anything on campus. We, st- we make our boundaries very clear. Like even when we're putting stickers up, we only put them around campus, not on campus. Yeah, definitely. Cause I know that you're like the, you have a newsstand that is like literally just across the street from campus. Like, you know, be like, yeah, it's a few blocks yeah. away. So, and I know that some of the stories you guys have written, I think some of my personal favorites would be, you know, the writing about the, the love for the accordion bus at Provo. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. story. Just, depicting something that is just 
fun and kind, but really doesn't have a whole lot to do with BYU. Mm -hmm. So with Prodigal Press, I mean, kind of talking about those stories that you guys, how do you go about approaching a story? Like, is it, do you have like a formal newsroom meeting where you'd be like, Hey, like this is a thing that is happening. We should assign someone to cover it. Or is more of people bring the stories in and say like, this is what I would like to write for prodigal press. I would say it's split between the two. So we have weekly meetings and we like discuss topics that need to be written about. And so we have people on our team writing for us, but then we also have um, people from the community that pitch article articles to us through email Mm -hmm. and sometimes in person. And then so to kind of, as we kind of spoke about earlier, kind of some current events around BYU, there's a lot of current events kind of happening around BYU. We have mm-hmm. a lot of stories happening around that. So are there any plans kind of in the near or immediate future for Prodigal Press to be covering these things? Or is these pieces currently being worked on? I know for that, you know, we talked about a little bit about the change in demonstration policy at BYU. Do you mind just elaborating a bit on the specifics of that, just for anyone that's not aware? Okay, so... Basically, at the beginning of this semester, so in early January, BYU changed their demonstration policy. And basically, um, for those who aren't aware, there have been a group of BYU students that er, twice now, three times, I can't remember, have gone up and lit the Y in rainbow colors. Um, I was actually really privileged to be able to be one of the people to go up on the first time. So it's an experience very close to my heart. But um, they basically made it against university policy for demonstrations to take place on the Y. Um, and they made other changes too. They basically made the approval process for doing demonstrations on campus a lot more difficult. You have to go through a lot more red tape. Um, so basically it was just kind of like a, a, very, uh, a very BYU way of stopping demonstrations from happening. Because that's the thing about BYU is they don't wanna sound like they're being bigoted and they don't want to sound like they're being, you know, pushing down people's voices. So they're, they've gotten really good at like <laughs> suppressing people without it seeming that bad. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. And so, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Absolutely. Go ahead. And I was just going to say, I think that there are, I, I, I do want to give a lot of the administration at BYU the benefit of the doubt that they're really just trying to walk this fine line here as an institution that is trying to support students, but also maintain a good relationship with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. However, a lot of times these decisions do come at students' expenses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's certainly Mm -hmm. a difficult line to walk. And I, you know, that's a line that you at Prodigal Press, that you guys walk that pretty well as well. I know that one of the taglines for Prodigal Press is not quite holy, not quite heretical. Mm-hmm. And then for yourself personally, Luca, that you wrote an article just about a year ago for Prodigal Press titled How to Be a Fence Sitter, where you're describing the challenges of walking between the worlds of being both a member of the LDS faith and of the LGBTQ plus community. Can you just expand on what that kind of means to exist in that tight space between these very different worlds? Yeah, absolutely. Before I do, I'm just going to say Prodigal Press has existed for a year and a half, not two and a half years. It just felt so long. We've gotten so much done, but it hasn't been that long. So um, when it comes to my relationship with my faith, between my faith and my queerness, I think that I found, I really think I found a home in Prodigal Press for that. Because that's the really hard part about um, being queer and also being a person of faith is that 
especially with like the trauma that a lot of people, including myself, have sustained in religious settings. Understandably, a lot of people just need to step away, which I totally understand. But for me, my faith is still a really important part of my identity and how I live my life. And so I think my goal in my personal writing and, you know, how I interact with people on the day to day, but also through prodigal is to kind of wrench open this space for people that want to be authentic with themselves, but also don't want to just leave the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints right away. And that's not just for people that are queer, but I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of women that feel really uncomfortable with how the church perceives and treats women, but still there's something um, they want to hold on to. And so I guess, and I, I think we're seeing this a lot right now. I think it's, it's just, this trend is just getting started of people demanding space for themselves. So. Yeah, absolutely. I know that when I was working on the article, I was able to speak with uh, Tara Carnes, who I'm sure you mm -hmm. know that, you know, and one of the things that she told me about kind of the experience of writing for Prodigal Press is that, you know, mm -hmm. it's important to have this opportunity to be able to raise your voice up and to simply acknowledge different realities and different, different possibilities. And that it can be difficult sometimes because in this particular community at BYU that you can get some pushback to that, that just when you acknowledge that the possibility of an idea, some people automatically assume that you want to force that idea upon people. And that's mm -hmm. not the case that you just want to acknowledge that possibility. Is that something that you've also kind of experienced at BYU or through Prodigal Press? Absolutely. And it, it, we've definitely had some controversy with some of our articles um, because people just get really, really frustrated um, because of what you just said. They think that we're trying like prodigal press or the writer is trying to like force force an opinion whereas you know most of the writing that we publish is just like personal narrative or like mm -hmm. um uh, like opinion editorials or things like that um and i think from a like personally um it's really frustrating to me at byu because it is such like a homogenous like it's a monoculture and so people poking out in little ways it get it really just gets hammered down like in classes you know like even my like religion classes at BYU like people don't want to be challenged and I think that is like the really amazing and like dare I say like sacred responsibility of protocol press in Provo is to provide a platform for people to be able to voice their concerns and be real with what they experience in Provo Mm -hmm. And then is it been, has it been challenging to kind of, to voice these opinions, to go out there and to, you know, try to voice that in a way that is not confrontational as to not try to upset people or push people away, but to say, this is something that you should consider. Has that been difficult or? Oh, it's just so hard. And it's so hard because social media just doesn't work that way. Like social media is so reactionary and so like intense that like I think it's been really hard for us and that's just one of our ongoing conversations as a publication is how can we expand our reach and our message towards people that wouldn't just already agree with what we're saying because we want we want to have that social influence for BYU students but also for people in the Provo community 
And it's really hard to do that through social media. We're doing our best. Um, and as you mentioned, um, we have a newsstand that we're actually going, this is exciting. We're going to be moving that um, to Peace on Earth, which is a coffee shop um, on Center Street in Provo. So if you live in Provo or if you're stopping by Provo, go pick up a copy of whatever we've got in there. Hopefully that will help just expand our reach um, towards more people in the community. But absolutely, it is so hard um, mm-hmm. to expand our audience. And we're working our best. We're, I mean, we're doing our best to work on that. Yeah, and I know definitely the challenge of having nuanced conversations on social media is not one that's new to any particular outlet. You mm-hmm. know, like what are some of the things that that Prodigal Press is trying to do to help tackle that difficult problem specifically? I mean, I think first of all, it just kind of comes down to content. So if people look at our feed and our Instagram feed, or they look at our website and they see only one kind of writing from only one kind of perspective then we just kind of lose some credibility. So we do our best. And I feel like we've been doing a really good job of been having a variety of content from a variety of different kinds of writers um, covering a variety of different topics. Um, because the last thing that we want to do is like, seem like we have a bias. And especially we don't, the goal of Particle Press is not just to be a soapbox for people who hate the church and hate BYU. That's not our mission. It's very like we make it very clear that the goal of Prodigal Press is to provide a platform for underheard, like unheard and unrepresented voices in the Provo community, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tough challenge, to say the least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's an admirable job that I think you guys are doing of it. Um, is there are there any plans to expand beyond just written content in the near future or? Is it articles for the time being? Um, so when we first started, we actually had um, in the early like zines that we did, we had like more art and like poetry and things like that. And so that's also an ongoing conversation as we move forward. And there will definitely be art and poetry in our uh, second year in review. So last year at the end of the year, um, we compiled some of our favorite art, um, graphic design and writing and put it into a year in review magazine. And we'll be doing that again this year. Um, I mean, as far as like things like uh, like podcast or like, you know, stuff like that, that there's always murmurings that people always want to do it. But I hope mm-hmm. that that's in our future. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Luca, for being with us tonight. I It's been a wonderful conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, just to quickly wrap up, you know, we always like to ask our guests, you know, what's a song they've been listening to? You know, like what's something you just can't been, can't get out of your head lately? This, my, the song that I've been listening to, and this is one of my favorite artists, one of my favorite local artists, is a song by Nicole Kinnan, which is really cool because she's actually going to be playing at uh, the Kilby Block Party in May, but it's called uh, Nobody Wants Honesty. Um, so yes, that's what I've been listening to. It's a great song. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Luca, for being with us mm-hmm. and speaking with us tonight to tell, you know, this about Prodigal Press and their journey to tell diverse stories at BYU. You know, that's a goal that we have here at Voices Amplified to, you know, to uplift those voices and well, we're happy to share that journey in with you. You can always check out more writing at prodigalpress.org. And they also have a stylish tote bag they've recently put out that you can also check out on their site. Coming up after the break, I'll be speaking with Amy Peterson and Burke Forbes about their documentary, taking a closer look at polyamory here in Utah. You're listening to the Voices Amplified edition of Radioactive on KRCL. And here's Luca's song pick. 
Nicole Kanan's Nobody Wants Honesty. The teen formal wear swap is back at the Salt Lake County Library. Donate gently used pre-laundered men's and women's formal wear items at any county library branch this month. Then teens can pick their outfits in March just in time for prom season. More details at thecountylibrary.org. Send your Valentine a love note on the radio. Valentine's Day is Monday, February 14th, and we're playing Cupid with KRCL Love Notes. Call the Love Note hotline and leave a message or shout out for that special person or even a local organization. Call 801-903-1279 to leave your love note. Then tune in KRCL Monday, February 14th from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. to hear love songs, breakup songs, makeup songs, and listener love notes on air. Find the number and details at krcl.org. Welcome back to Voices Amplified, a student takeover of Radioactive. I'm Johnny Talstrup, writer at The Globe, Salt Lake Community College's student-run newspaper. Our next story also pushes against the status quo that many of us have come to know both here and in Utah and across the country. And I'm excited to talk with Amy Peterson, director of a documentary titled Love One Another, Polly Amory in Utah, and Burke Forbes, one of the subjects of the documentary. We now have a clip. I was living with two men <laughs> in a full relationship, my husband and my boyfriend. And someone says, oh, you're polyamorous. I went, what's that? It's accepting that love isn't isn't like an exclusive thing that only belongs to one person at a time. It's that we have a lot of love to give and we can give it in a lot of different directions. Polyamory, yeah, the classic definition is loving many. I highlight on the amory, not the poly, because it doesn't matter the number. It's all about the love and caring. Everyone should have their own ability to see the frameworks of love and decide for themselves what what works and doesn't work. Amy, Burke, thank you so much for being with us today. Do you mind telling listeners about yourself and this wonderful documentary? And then we'll have Amy go first and then Burke, if you don't mind following her up, please. And thank you. All right. Thanks again for uh, having us on. Well, my name is Amy and I am a student filmmaker and I recently uh, directed a documentary about polyamory in Utah. And I am also a person who is polyamorous. And so it's a subject that uh, touches close to home. But basically the documentary uh, follows nine different polyamorous people um, throughout Utah from St. George to Ogden and here in Salt Lake. And Burke, who is with us tonight, he is one of those subjects. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Johnny, for having us um, and Carousel for hosting this. And yeah, I'm Burke Forbes. I am polyamorous, obviously. And um, (laughs) yeah, I've been practicing polyamory for about eight years now. Awesome. Thank you guys again for being with us. Now, Amy, I want to start with you. And, you know, why is this a story that you really felt like needed to be told? Well, there's a few reasons. Um, So, obviously the first off being that I am polyamorous, but um, even more than that, so I am a former member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints um, or ex-Mormon as I usually identify as. And so um, 
I find myself in this interesting place of like understanding these two different cultures and having seen this dichotomy that exists um, here in Utah between this religious majority and um, these kind of counterculture groups that are coming up. And um, yeah, I became, I became part of this polyamorous community and I wanted to be able to show that people in this community are just normal people, you know, that it's really anybody who is part of this and that there's all these stigmas that exist. And I wanted to dispel some of those and some of those misconceptions and just normalize people who are non-monogamous. Yeah, absolutely. And then just for those who are unfamiliar with the term polyamory, do you mind just giving us a brief definition? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, bas- a basic definition of polyamory is like loving many. And usually polyamory is also just being in relationships with multiple people or being in love with multiple people. Because um, when you break it down, poly is many, amory is love. And so on a very basic level, it means m- many loves, I suppose. And so, yeah, it can look like so many different things. There's uh, so many different ways to practice polyamory, um, but it just comes back to being in relationships with more than one person, and which is versus monogamy. The term that most everyone knows is mono being one. So it's, you know, one partner and then poly being many partners. Yeah. So then would it be fair to say that in polyamorous relationships that it's you know these are committed relationships with multiple people um yeah it it can be um I think it that commitment is something that comes with time but yeah a big difference between just like sleeping around or dating around um and those more casual aspects of it um that there is also consent that's involved and that that is going to be also what uh differentiates polyamory from um yeah from that like casual dating around um and then also being a big difference uh here in utah of polyamory versus polygamy um so often there is a big misconception that if i say oh i'm polyamorous that people will think maybe that i mean polygamy because that is a common understanding of unconventional relationship styles because of living here in Utah. And so polygamy is marriage to multiple different people, but the practice we see in Utah is where it's a man being married to multiple women. Um, But polyamory is very, very different than that. It couldn't be uh, more different because polyamory is, like I said, consensual and it's egalitarian. It's anybody of, you know, any gender, sexual orientation, like, any background can participate in polyamory and can have those multiple relationships and that access. Absolutely. And then I just want to turn over to Burke now for a moment. I know, I think one of the other major misconceptions that a lot of people have about polyamorous couples and this, that this documentary addresses is that the difference between a polyamorous couple and couples in an open relationship. Do you mind just letting us know kind of like what the key distinction between those two things are between a open relationship and a polyamorous relationship? Um, I'm not sure if there's necessarily a key distinction. It's, it's probably quite nuanced. I think um, building off kind of what Amy was saying is that polyamory isn't one size fits all. 
some couples or some people individually may decide polyamory looks one way for them. Others decide it looks a different way. Uh, some, some couples are happy saying that they have an open relationship. Others are very um, clear that, that they're polyamorous or non-monogamous. Um, so I, I guess maybe I would hazard from, from saying that there's a sharp distinction between those necessarily, at least outside of like the scope of how a single person or couple would, would define that for themselves. Absolutely. And, you know, I, again, I think this documentary does a great job of kind of delving into those nuances that you're talking about that, you know, it's, it's definitely not a black and white sort of thing. But I know that, you know, this documentary and also the companion piece to it uh, in the Salt Lake Tribune, Utahns share why they have chosen polyamory over monogamy by one of our own students here at Salt Lake Community College, Matt Dittishane. One of the things that this documentary really talks a lot about is, you know, that there's this strong and vibrant polyamorous community here in Utah, which I don't think a lot of people would have expected given kind of the reputation that the state carries. You know, how... And then this is, you know, open to either Burke or to Amy. Uh, how do you feel like Utah was able to develop this community for itself? Yeah, well, I, I guess I can start that and then turn over to Burke. But um, for myself, um, like I was saying, these uh, kind of countercultures and these um, non-religious minorities that exist in Utah, I think try uh try even harder to have our voices be heard um, because we are, are part of this, this like very specific uh, kind of culture here in Utah with the LDS church. And so I think that it's not necessarily that there are more polyamorous people in Utah, um, though I can't speak from experience because I've only been polyamorous in Utah. Um, I, but I think it's that the people here work hard to have our voices be heard and that we recognize the importance of being out and proud and not ashamed of who we are because uh, for myself I I am bisexual I'm queer and it was hard for me living so many years uh being LDS and feeling like I had to hide those parts of myself and feeling so much shame for that and so now that I am practicing and having relationships in a way that is more true to myself. I want to be loud about that. And I want to tell people, and also a big reason why I was excited to make this documentary is that I wanted to let that voice be heard and help other polyamorous people have their voices be heard. But yeah, I think it just comes down to um, this community is uh, needs to support one another. And because uh, we have to push back against uh, this religious majority. Yeah, I totally agree with what Amy's getting out there. I think folks uh, that sort of exist on the margins of, you know, an oppressive state, uh, whether that be built out of religion or government or however it looks, I think they do just generally have to work harder to amplify their voices and make themselves um, be known uh, in a way that that makes them feel like their existence is just as valid as um, as other folks who may be maybe grab that majority voice uh, more easily. Um, I, I think too, maybe we're, we're at sort of a inflection point, um, not just with polyamory, but with queerness, with uh, gender identity, sexual identity, um, all of these things where it's, it's becoming a lot more talked about. And I think people are just gaining a lot more comfort with uh, their own feelings around these things. And 
um, also realizing that it's important that we share those things, um, yeah, to to validate ourselves and our and our community, um, and just to to normalize these these sort of like different ways of of looking at the world. Absolutely, and I know we've been talking a lot about you know the polyamory community here, and I you know just for each of you, you know, like what does the polyamory community like? What does that mean to you personally, and like what does that look like for you? Oh, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, well, it, it looks like a lot of things. So, for one, there are more structured polyamorous communities here. Like, there's Facebook groups, um, like Utah Polyamory Facebook groups um, that have meetups, that type of thing. Uh, personally, I haven't been as involved with those specific things. Really, my polyamorous community has kind of just been built up from people I've dated, and there's this uh, interesting support group that happens of with you know the person you know or, or the, the people that you're dating and then the people that they're dating and then maybe the people that they're dating and kind of these circles that happen through all of that um, where uh yes it's a big community but also it's a very small community and you kind of all end up knowing each other maybe dating each other and honestly it's it's a lot of fun and it's really great to to see that and uh even have friends of mine who um maybe weren't polyamorous when I first met them but then see myself being being out about it and talking about introducing these ideas to them and then maybe trying out polyamory for themselves and building that community for ourselves from the ground up through representation absolutely yeah I mean, I just want to drill down quick here because, you know, you mentioned that, you know, that a lot of the community for you is, you know, kind of made up of people that you were formerly dating and things like that. And I think definitely for a lot of people that aren't familiar with polyamory are, you know, experiencing, you know, their romantic relationships through monogamy. You know, that is not a common thing to build your community through people you were formerly involved with that. It's, you know, it's almost like a meme at this point to be like that you just don't talk to these people. So like, do you think there's a something different about polyamory that really allows you to kind of like bridge that gap? Yeah. I mean, if I could hop in, I, and not to be too cliche, but the polyamory community, I guess, to me is, is just sort of like centered and built around love. Um, and yeah, I, I can't really off the top of my head, think of any like bad breakups I've, I've gone through or heard about from other friends that are polyamorous, not to say that it doesn't happen, but um, yeah, we're all generally very just loving and supportive and kind, and we want the best for each other. We want the best for ourselves. Um, and I think, I think, yeah, that ties into how we like structure our relationships, how we move in and out of our relationships. We're not tied to one person necessarily. Um, so having the sort of latitude to move in and out of that as, as time and, and energy allows, um, yeah, I think it just gives us a certain sense of like freedom and um, maybe just like takes a weight off of our shoulders in terms of, of like holding on to that pressure of having to maintain this one relationship um, at all costs and until, yeah, until things get to that point where you're like, I never, I never talk to that person. Um, you know, my exes, I never hang out with them or see them. Um, yeah, I, I've not really experienced much of that being polyamorous. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And then kind of to continue on in these kind of these positive interactions with people. I know that when I watched the documentary, my morbid curiosity got to me and I always have to look through YouTube comments. And I know that for those that are unaware, 
YouTube comments are not notoriously well known for being very uplifting and positive, but looking through the comments on the documentary, Amy, they were incredibly uplifting, very positive. And I was taken aback, you know, like, how has the reaction to this film been for you? Um, well, it's funny you say that because uh, I there have been a few negative comments on there, but it's funny because I feel like the negative comments, I'm like, did you even watch this film? Like, they're, they're asking these questions as if they have already had, they have this bias that they're coming into commenting on this and they already know what negative stance they're trying to take on it. I'm like, you should watch this film and you're not going to think that. Um, but yeah, overwhelmingly, I have had so many positive comments, so many people coming up to, up to me and saying, hey, I watched your documentary. It's awesome. I want to know more. Uh, just yeah, coworkers, just so many people coming up to me and saying that it influenced them. Um, and it's been really awesome because I had no idea how this is going to be um, be received by people because it's a student film, but uh, that I don't say that to minimize it. I say it in that you know we only had you know ten weeks to put this together, and I I put so much work into it, but really there's only you know, so much I can do, but. I'm so excited by how people have received this. And then, uh, yeah, one, one person that was especially exciting for me to hear from is one, someone I know through school who is an older single father who is a part of the LDS church. And he told me that he, he was so excited by this documentary that he wanted to show, he's now going to go show it to his teenage daughters as a way to show them about different relationship styles and uh, experiences outside of their own sphere. And that's really exciting to me because that's really what I want is people who might not otherwise know someone who's polyamorous to get an understanding of what that's like and see people who are real and doing this and just, yeah, like I said, normalize it. Yeah, it's exciting to be able to show something new to people and to have them receive it so well. I mean, just just quickly for both of you, you know, like what's next for you? Like, Amy, are we going to see a follow-up documentary to this? And, you know, are we going to be seeing Burke become a regular part of your viewing experience? Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I, I can't speak for Burke if he wants to be involved more with this, but I definitely have plans in the future for potentially a longer documentary or a series following, you know, going more into specifics with people. Um, and also uh, three of the subjects of the documentary um, actually just all got engaged to one another and uh, congratulations to, to them. And they are going to be having a three person polyamorous wedding later this year that I, they asked me to film. And I'm so excited for that, just to be able to show something, to, to see that for myself as well. I've never been to a polyamorous wedding, and I am excited to, to capture that. And yeah, and hoping to dive more into what day-to-day -day life looks like for people who are polyamorous. And uh, yeah, so... If I've got YouTube channels, so stay tuned for that potential series there. But uh, yeah, in the works, but definitely things on the horizon. Awesome. And then I, I don't want to leave you hanging there, Burke. What's what's up next for you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very happy uh, to contribute um, to more of Amy's work. I think she did a really great job on this documentary. 
Um, but also, yeah, like she said, she did have certain constraints, constraints around time. Um, and yeah, polyamory is, is complex and, um, there's a lot to it. And I think there's a lot more, um, information that we can share with other people. Uh, like she said, just to normalize these things and, um, give folks different, different structures of relationships that they can, they can feel out for themselves and not, not feel like, uh, default monogamy is, is what they, what they have to the relationships how they have to choose um there's there's a multitude of options out there for them awesome well thank you amy and burke so much for being on with us tonight now before i let you guys go i do got to get that song recommendation from you guys we'll start with burke and then we'll get one from amy <laughs> yeah i'm a huge silver sun pickups fan so um all the go in betweens by silver sun pickups perfect hey, man. amy um, well, one of my favorite uh, artists, well, they're a duo, is Polo and Pan, and they will also be coming to Salt Lake on Wednesday on the 9th. Um, and I really love their song with Channel Trace, Tunnel. I just, any of their music I listen to, but that song especially, Tunnel. Awesome. Thank you guys again for being on with us. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you, Amy and Burke, so much for being on with us tonight. You can watch the documentary Love One Another, Polyamory in Utah on YouTube at on Amy Peterson's channel. And then just speaking of love, it's been an incredible day here recording here and at Salt Lake Community College where we're recording today. While we're speaking with our guests about love and about all this joy, we actually had a wedding occur just outside of our recording booth. It is wild it is magical it is so incredible to see these things and how they all just somehow managed to link in together it's an incredible experience to be able to talk to these people and to have it literally happen right in front of you it's just very very impressive so big shout outs to jennifer and chris who just finished exchanging their vows here at salt lake community college and you can check out amplify utah and the globe slcc social media for pictures of said wedding and that's our show for tonight i'm johnny tallstrip i have had the pleasure of hosting voices amplified here on radioactive with you tonight before we let you go we're going to take a quick look at what's happening in pop culture with members of the voices amplified team i have sean stetson and ariel witterberg who are going to be talking with us tonight sean is our social media producer and ariel is our booker so we'll start with Sean. What's going on? Hey, Johnny. Thank you. Uh, well, we got our Super Bowl teams, both the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams, snagged to comeback victories to earn their spot in the biggest playoff game of the year, set to take place in L.A. on the 13th. A notable fact for the game, Joe Burrow, quarterback for the Bengals, could be the first quarterback to ever win the Heisman Trophy, a college national championship, and a Super Bowl. And Burrow can do it all in just three years. A stunning player to keep an eye on. That sounds pretty exciting. Just for those that aren't aware in sports world, what is the Heisman Trophy? It goes to the best collegiate player of the year. So it's it's a pretty good trophy. Uh, but not many players that win the trophy have a good Hall of Fame career or even a good career period. Interesting. So it looks like Joe Burrow has the chance to really set his mark on history on the 13th. Excellent. And then for those that aren't as big into football, Ariel, what's going to be going on that night for them? So I'm super excited for the, the halftime show because I'm a huge hip hop fan. And um, so there's going to be the 
five big legends from hip hop, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, and Eminem. Did I get Eminem? Eminem. So I'm really excited for that. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, do you have Do you have a song that you're really hoping that they do? I would think Forget About Dre, maybe, because it would involve all three, Snoop, Eminem, and Dre. So I'm really hoping they choose that song. Yeah, it would certainly be exciting to see them all perform together. I am. It's going to be a very interesting show to see. It's going to be exciting. I'm excited for it. But even for those that are still not too interested in the Super Bowl, I've got a quick movie recommendation for you guys. I have been obsessing with an anime film called Bell. Welcome to the world of you. You may not be able to start over in the real world, but you can start over in the world of you. With its unique body sharing technology, you was able to draw out a user's hidden strength. I can finally sing again. She made it on used global music charts, just as I expected. I'm so dead! Nobody in their right mind would ever guess that Bell's user is actually a mousy nobody like you. I guess it's true that everyone's hiding some kind of secret. Bell. It's a unique take on the classic Beauty and Beast story that shows how adept 2D animation really is as a storytelling medium. You can check your local theaters for listings to see where you can check it out. Thank you all. That is Popland for us. I'm Johnny Talstrup, and you've been listening to Voices Amplified Takeover on Radioactive in partnership with Amplify Utah and Salt Lake Community College right here on KRCL 90.9. Coming up next week, Voices Amplified will continue our takeover every Monday night, 6 p.m., with bringing fresh new voices to talk about local stories. You're going to want to be listening to this. We want to send gratitude tonight to our guests tonight, Amy Peterson, Burke Forbes, and Luca Romney for stepping up to share the mic and their stories with us. A special thank you to executive producer Lara Jones of Radioactive for passing the mic and giving the next wave of journalists a platform to share and connect with special guests. Stories that matter, things you care about. I'm Johnny Talstrip with Salt Lake Community College and Voices Amplified. Our special thanks to Marcy Cancio and Amplify Utah for the support of diverse storytellers. Thank you for joining us on Radioactive tonight. And you can listen every Monday night at 6 right here on KRCL 90.9, Voices Amplified. This is Johnny Tallstrip sending you peace and truth throughout the valley. Stay tuned and informed with Democracy Now! coming up next. It looks great on you.